St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East. We put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts. So I, I went there and I was thinking, what, is it, what does a star sound like? I don't know. I believe everything in the universe vibrates, and vibrations are sounds. So as I get closer to a star, does the pitch, does the frequency drop, or does it get higher? That's musician Saria Conaway. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. Saria Conaway has been playing music for about as long as she can remember. She started violin lessons around age seven and has picked up a lot of other instruments along the way which she uses when she plays with bands around St. Louis or her solo project, Sina So Pro. This is a moment in her life and career when her possibilities are expanding. She was just named the DJ in residence at Contemporary Art Museum. We'll hear more about what that means. And I asked her what she's doing lately, musically, that makes her excited. I'm in this wonderful creative energy right now where I feel like almost every single thing, even like I'll turn on my keyboard, you know how sometimes you just like you just check the, you just is this on? Is this working? Is the signal going through? Do I have the is cables this, hooked is up this correctly? Thing on? Yeah, knock, yep. knock, knock, yeah. and I'll just go, and I'm like, oh, and then that's a song right there. Like, like I'm just, I feel like I'm just pooping it out <laughs> right now to where I have so many different just 30 second tracks on a field recorder to my crappy cell phone Wally to anywhere to where I have to, I can't keep up with the ideas because I will lose it. Or, you know, even hearing things in my sleep of like, you know, oh, I, this is a beautiful. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, record it. And some days I do, and some days I don't. And I wake up and like, I forgot it. But I remember what I saw and it was beautiful, but I don't remember what I heard. As a, as a solo artist, you re, you perform and record as Sina So Pro. Correct. Three words, and you have some fun by re, replacing Pro with like what you're doing that day. Yeah, right? and, I kind of thought of that a couple, or I don't know, five six years ago, and I've been Sina So in the pocket. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> I've been using like uh, the pronouns of we because I, I view myself and Sina So Pro as different people. Um, although we are the same person, it's just like a different. Um, th- at my live shows, I will have banter with myself. Uh, while I'm setting up for the next song on stage. So I'm talking to myself, kind of arguing with myself, and then like, you know, high-fiving myself or hugging myself or whatever. So that kind of led to, okay, this is not about I or me. This is about we and us. So I started using these pronouns. I don't know, maybe eight. I don't know what year it is or what day it is. A long time ago. Um, And then now pronouns are like, you know, a thing to uh, a fight against uh, gender conformity. So a lot of people think that I go by we, we, us, and I, I actually don't. But it's okay. It's, I noticed that when you, when you post on, say, Facebook about Sinus Pro, you talk about we. So that's not making sure to show respect to your occasional collaborators, but that's Saria Conaway and... Sina. And, yeah, Saria Conaway and Sina. Yeah, and you're Sina. right. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you know, because anytime I would perform, we're talking to one another. So uh, I can't ignore that 
the person in the box has a has a voice too, you know. That's kind of where that came from. I want my music to be inspiring and uplifting and make people feel good. That's the whole point of me doing what I do. Um, yes, I can write a dark, heavy song, but I usually save that for another band that I'm in because that's kind of the music that we put out. But like, I want Sinus So Pro to be, yo, I got your back or we got your back. You know what I'm saying? We're here. We all go through this. Believe in yourself. Keep going. You can do it. Uh, that's basically it. And if I can't say it, I want the music to say it for me. So as a musician, you do lots of different stuff, right? Basically, you play different instruments. You utilize different technologies. Yeah. <laughs> I play different, a lot of different instruments. I utilize a different technology to play the instrument solo. And I also play in other bands, too. I think it's really important. I realize it's really important to play with other people because it just kind of forces you to... To expand your your own horizons and your own musical um, inclinations, I found that me being alone, I was kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Like I wasn't feeling quite as inspired. And then getting around fresh people and this new energy, it was just like, oh, yeah, you know. And then like, you know, it's kind of like a wave. I, I know Sinus So Pro is going to be forever for me, but uh, the bands I play with outside of that may not always exist. And that's okay, I, you know. I understand that now as I'm much older. Don't post my age on this. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. If, well, if you don't, how, how old are you? <laughs> you said just kidding, so I'm taking I up did, on that. I did. You're right. Um, I need to own it. I am 36 years old. Oh, how did this happen? You've been alive and you've thrived. Right. I just, you, and you keep getting you know, another year. You just think That's about, good. like, you know, whenever you're younger, like, oh, I'm going to do this and I grow up. And then you just project ahead and you think you're going to be. And then you get there and you're just like, this is not it at all. Like, and it's okay. But I don't know why I still kind of hold on to certain things of, uh, like, societal, like, conformities of, like, this is what a 36-year-old person should be doing with their life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter. Anyone can do anything that they want with their life. But sometimes I still struggle with it internally. And it's okay. I'll th- I will need to work on it. Thank you for calling me out. <laughs> well, the, we're younger than we'll ever be again. And yeah. there'll be a time when yeah. you'll say, oh, wow, I was only 36 that day at St. Louis Public Radio. I hope so. I hope I can say that. Yeah, I will. I'll say it. <laughs> I visited Saria at her studio in Dutchtown. She's in the storefront of a former hardware store. There's a bunch of effects pedals on the floor, a couple keyboards, a violin, an electric guitar, a bass. One of her musical tools is a Nintendo game console. She showed me how she'll take the kernel of a musical idea, in this case a simple piano figure, and refract it out into different styles, different moods depending on what she's looking for at that particular moment. So yeah, just kind of doodling around on the piano, just kind of came up with this kind of bass line. You know, and that would like repeat. So now I was thinking, you know, what would this sound like if I, this is like a song for a video game. So I (laughs) grabbed my Nintendo DS, which has this awesome app that I use a lot called Rhythm Core Alpha 2 and programmed what I feel like this song could sound like if it was a level on a video game. Here we go. So what is that device right there? This is a Nintendo DS. 
So like this is you, a, you play games on it? This is a device that people play video games on, but you can actually write songs on it. So this is the same thing I was just playing, but different sounds, different beats. running through this level, maybe, I don't know, but I like it. So I'm gonna stop that there. So then I was thinking, okay, I was um, kind of editing a bunch of dialogue for this project that I was making for uh, the Regional Arts Commission that I don't think they ever ended up using about St. Louis. So remembering this video game kind of song and this thing I was kind of playing on the piano, I'm like, well, what would this sound like if this is more of a, like, inspirational, come see St. Louis type of thing? So this is what I came up for that. So here's that same riff. It's a little bit different. You won't notice it just yet, but then the piano line will come in and you realize it's the same thing. as opposed to a darker place as the previous tracks did. So then, you know, I was like, well, let's just see what this could sound like if I were in space. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, not much has changed, just some of the supporting lines that have uh, changed. had a big milestone in your life in the last year or two? So there's been a lot of changes, but I would say the biggest change is I finally kind of bit the bullet and decided to take the big leap and quit my day job and be a musician and artist full time. I would like to say that I'm pretty proud of myself of where I started and where I've landed. Ironically, the two organizations that I was doing contract work for whenever I first took the plunge, and the only two I was doing contract work for either was not paying me at all <laughs> or was never paying me on time. So uh, I pushed through that major uh, kind of struggle, but still didn't ever think, okay, I'm gonna find another job, I had to find another job. It's just like, no, I'm gonna do this, we're gonna get through it, just keep, just keep pressing. Um, and I'm glad I did because it feels pretty good and a lot of doors are opening and opportunities are servicing and I'm starting to see how I can navigate to get to where I really want to do. I feel like I'm getting closer and closer with each day or breath, week, whatever, <laughs> moment. What had your day job been at, at the time that you, that you said goodbye? Well, at the time I uh, quit, I was building and like operations manager at the Regional Arts Commission. And I had been there for a couple years, and uh, I remember sitting in my office just thinking, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not in the right environment to thrive. Well, it's a difficult, it's a difficult decision to make that leap, right? Because you, you don't necessarily know what's on the other side. Yeah, so because I, I know myself. So I deliberately told myself two things. 
either I'm going to be out of here by this date or I'm going to be out of here if I hit this monetary mark. Because I knew if I only said, if I'm going I'm to be out of here if I hit this monetary mark of savings, I would never make that mark. I would kind of subconsciously sabotage myself. So I had to stick to the date. And I wasn't anywhere close to that monetary mark. <laughs> but I did it anyway. So, and it's, and it's okay. Uh, <laughs> you made it work for yourself. Right. I mean, it's a lot of work. You have to work. You can't just sit and think that, you know, and these opportunities are just going to come to you without any work or provocation. Like the hustle is very, very real. But at the same time, if you become complacent and content in your own stagnicity of your own personal growth and you want to you accept that oh I, I don't like this but it pays the mortgage or I don't like this but it's just like well then it's not going to change and that's where you're going to be and then you know how many years down the road are you going to look look and be like I feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again <laughs> like everyone's moving around me and I'm still here you know what I'm saying just kind of like I'm gonna go <laughs> you know what I'm saying how are you making money and what kind of what kind of art are you making? Oh my gosh. So around this time last year, it was it was kind of like slim. I was working really hard on creating the work, like creating opportunities for me to do things. Um, what, what kind of things? Teaching, private lessons, and I'm still doing other work for nonprofit boards that I'm a part of and whatnot. What sort of lessons? So piano, uh, vocal, I have a couple guitar students. Um, so basically, you play so many instruments that you can give any number of types of lessons. I mean, yes and no. Yes, I can give lessons, but I, um, depending on what instrument, would depend on the level of the lessons I could provide. So how has your practice as a musician equipped you with the sorts of different skills that put you in a place now to be doing such a range of different things? Because I'm always kind of multitasking as Sinuso Pro and playing different instruments and dabbling with different effects pedals and loops pedals and mixers and this, that, and the other, I feel like I apply that to my actual life of, of multitasking. And I feel like that's part of the reason why I'm staying afloat in my in my journey of uh, working for myself, of self-employment, because I can do so many different things. And teaching is definitely something I didn't think that's what I would be doing or could do, but I was approached by Janelle Velton from COCA, and she asked me if I were to, if I felt comfortable or wanted to do a, a collaboration, a workshop for COCA's Summer Institute, which is basically teaching other educators across the state or even country on how to integrate arts into school curriculum. So instead of STEM, making it STEAM for -hmm. science, technology, engineering, art, and math. So I took my whole approach to Sinuso Pro and how I did what I did to create a two and a half hour workshop on the importance of basic conversions of units. Um, Because as Sinuso Pro, I'm playing with all these, these different Conversion pedals. units, meaning like... Yeah. So like... Well, meaning what? So um, seconds and beats per minute and milliseconds, things like that. Because I'm playing with all these different instruments with Sinuso Pro, or not instruments, but um, effects pedals, they don't talk to each other. They're not synced up MIDI. I have to trigger them on time. Um, and in doing so, some things measure unit of time in beats per minute. Some pedals measure unit of time in seconds. 
some measure in milliseconds. So, you, you know, your standard, our standard system versus metric system, okay, how many milliseconds are in a second? You know, how many, if I have 120 beats per minute, how many, how many seconds is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's 0 0.5 seconds. You know, just doing, there was no, like, college course or class, just, like, the knowledge that you learn in school of, like, oh, well, there's 15 milliliters and a half of an ounce, or there's 30 milliliters in an ounce, you know? Small little things like that that really help whenever you're in an environment that you have to navigate through and solve the problem creatively. And then simultaneously, then I'm going and working with Intersect Arts Center, being a mentor for three apprentices last summer. And ironically, we, um, I was showing them how to create their own podcast. So would you say it was worth it to quit your day job? Oh, no. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is great. I haven't. It's, a, it's hard work, but I feel really good. And I feel like I have purpose. Not to say that I didn't before, but I just never thought music, I always tr treated it as a hobby. And it's for me that it's not. I've been doing this my literally my whole entire life. I started playing the violin when I was seven years old. My parents told me whenever they were traveling in the car to go visit places, and I'm like a little tiny thing. I didn't know how to really speak, but I'm in the back seat singing to whatever they have on the radio. I didn't know the words. I didn't know. I never heard it before. I just make it up. period where you were focusing a lot on building songs out of just vocals using digital loops, right? Yes. Is it, was it, has that been a fruitful pursuit for you? Yes. Yeah, so I released an album December of 2016 called Vox, which means voice, and every single song on the album was a cappella. People forget that the voice is an instrument, not only in an artistic way, but also in a more powerful um, social way. And if you don't use it and you don't learn how to use it, people around you will abuse that and take advantage of that. And your voice could be anything. It doesn't have to be just physically speaking or talking. It could be cooking or uh, using your hands in some sort of way, using your mind, using your body. Use, you know what I'm saying? Like your expression. And I just wanted, hmm, I don't know, people to just tap into themselves a little bit of like, what are you here for? Are you here to stare at a screen all day or are you here to do something? Um, but I think here the, on this planet, yeah, mean? like, I mean, where, what are you doing with your life? Are you living it? Or are you just kind of watching it? You know what I'm saying? Um, just trying to get outside the box a little bit of what is music. We hear music all the time, maybe not right now in this room, but it's everywhere, literally. Um, whether you think it's music or not, the birds outside chirping, you know, I mean, sometimes we just think very small. And, and rigid like oh the, I like music I like to go to the symphony or oh I saw this one concert I'm like yeah that's great but what about this tv show you watched did you listen to the music what about the video game you played did you listen to the music yo it's everywhere <laughs> several um summers ago the New York Times had a series of having their critics review things in everyday life and I remember one of the music critics um, reviewed going to a Yankees game or a Mets game and just all the different sounds that he heard and the vendors and how they were going up and down octaves as they went up and down the, the aisles and things like that. In pitch? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, just, you know, what's really interesting is how many people does it take mm. 
to be talking simultaneously to sound like a very large crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like little things like that. Like obviously the stadium, like you know, okay, I can hear the people. Their pitches are all around here. Volume levels are going this and that. But like, you know, just little things like that. Just whenever we talk, we're we're creating not only a sound vibration, but there is a pitch to it. So as a, as a one-woman band or a one-to-two-woman band, yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how, how do you make it all work? How are you doing different things at the same time? Stay two steps ahead. Stay calm. <laughs> Don't panic. I mean, it takes a lot of time and practice. You just got to practice your crafts. Build the songs in a way that um, you can navigate through your limitations. Looping is a big part of what you do still. It is. I feel like I have ex- saturated and exhausted every possible way I can create a song and get into a song as soon as possible. And now the loops have become a limitation. So I, if I want to expand as an artist, I need to acknowledge that limitation and start moving past the limitation. And I, I feel like I've, I've done it. There's videos, there's documentation, let's move on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be held back by it anymore. So at, at CAM, at Contemporary Art Museum, you have a new position there. What, what's it called? <laughs> so I'm the DJ in residence at the Contemporary Art Museum. I was a little hesitant because I'm like, well, I'm not a DJ. So um, <laughs> there's that. And two, yikes, I mean, two hours once a month uh, for nine months. Okay, let's, and. What are they asking you to do? So, um, you know, a DJ is a person or, you know, y- you can have turntables and this, that, and the other, but you're kind of like the vibe uh, police, or I wouldn't even say police sounds, that's, don't don't use that one. Curator? Like, yeah, vibe curator. Uh, for Arranger. For the, uh for an event, you set the mood for the space. So that's how I'm viewing this for myself. I went to the museum a couple weeks back and took a look at all the pieces that were there and read the artist statements um, and really got a feel for what they were trying to convey through their art. And then I'm writing music to try to enhance that. So this first Friday, <laughs> my first first Friday performance this Friday, I'm gonna be focusing on Christine Corday's um, installation of relative points. So it's going to be very atmospheric, very universal, like universe, space, ethereal type of. Um, and then the following first Fridays, I'll uh, focus on the other okay. other artists within it. But so it's like a challenge for me. It's going to be fun because this is stuff that I always kind of wanted to do. Like, how can I enhance something that's already taking place as opposed to, oh, let's just write a song and, and see if it's going to be a hit. Like, okay, yeah, that's okay. That's fun. But how can I collaborate without even really being a collaborator from the original work? You know what I'm saying? Use that as inspiration to enhance the space and give people an experience. So what does that exhibition look like? Uh, apparently she used, I believe, some sort of like charcoal base, like sculptures, like these big, like big round cylindrical pieces all spaced out strategically. I'm not even sure if it's really quite strategic, but it's um, throughout the main gallery that the uh, visitors can touch and feel to feel the changes in um, how porous the material is or if it's kind of flaking away. And it's about being the center of the universe, but also challenging that thought of being the center of the universe, but also being the center of the universe. And like everything's kind of connected. And I think part of her idea is the the idea that if if the universe expands in all directions in an infinite yeah, micro, macro. That any 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 one space could be the center of the universe. So the the center of each of those cylinders is sort of pointing at the center of the universe. Right. 
So I, I went there and I was thinking, what, is it, what does a star sound like? I don't know. Let's just write what we think stars and, and you know, we think, we think outer space as if it's like not, we're not a part of it. Like, but we're in outer space right now. <laughs> we're in it. We can't, there's no way we're not ever going to be in it. It's like we think of it as this thing that's way beyond where we are, but it's, it really isn't. So just kind of diving into that a little bit. So as you're thinking about how do I write something that complements or responds to this exhibition of these large sculptures, the first thought you're having is what do stars sound like? Yep, that's exactly the first thought I had while I was walking through there. Like, what what do stars sound like? And then... You know, there are recordings we can hear that are out there of, like, um, radio waves... Yeah, just sonic tra- waves. Translated into, like, the, the, the hearable spectrum. Right, because right, we can't, as humans, can't hear everything. So, I mean, like, everything on this... I believe everything in the universe vibrates, um, and vibrations are sounds. It's just we can only hear a certain frequency of sounds. So... While thinking that, I'm like, okay, so as I get closer to a star, does the pitch, does the frequency drop or does it get higher? Um, you know, just little things like that. And my, just things that we as humans on this planet in our daily, you know, busy hustle of our own rat race don't sometimes just stop and think. We don't stop and think about. And then on the flip side of that, I'm like, okay, well, what if these stars, you know, you've seen Ant-Man, right? No, no, I haven't. Oh, man. Okay, so I finally saw Ant-Man like... What, a year ago? Ugh. Cure's Disintegration uh, album came on in the middle of this fight scene. It was the most beautiful thing. I was like, whoa, I love this album. I love this track. I'm going to disintegrate you! Claim Disintegration by The Cure. And at the very end, you know, Ant-Man, like, goes micro, and he he starts to shrink, 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 shrink. And you're seeing all these, like, cells and everything, you know, as they're getting bigger. They're, as he's getting smaller and they're getting larger, you're looking at them like, these could be planets. <laughs> like, you know, just like, where does it stop? Are, are, are we, we are the biggest thing and the smallest thing simultaneously? Like, right? Like, just... Trying to explain that, but also just creating an environment of that through music. So what, not actually explaining it verbally, just creating that environment through music. And so you're, in, that the, makes sense. you're in the midst right now of, of writing and preparing this music? Yes. So I have a lot of it prepared, but I haven't got some of the tracks kind of recorded for me to perform it this Friday. So that's what I was working on before I came here, which is why I was 13 minutes late to our meeting today. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, I wasn't counting. Is this a, a long piece to fill two hours? Or? Um, all the pieces are kind of segueing into one another. I Typically, DJs are they're spinning their records, and they're mixing between two songs, and the next song comes. You know what I'm saying? So I want, I want the same thing to kind of take place, the whole entire set be a seamless two-hour set, which is nothing I've ever done before. I think the longest I've ever performed is an, an hour and a half. And I stopped and received applause <laughs> in between that. So this is all very new and challenging. Does it sound like things you've you've made before? I think people who are familiar with my work will know that sounds like Surya. Um, but also be like, that's that's pretty cool.
Sounds like a major creative project. I have to do it every month. So I'll be going to the library. Library, huh? I'll be going to the museum a lot. What a wide range. What a, the creative possibilities sound pretty exciting. Right? That's why I was really nervous about accepting the residency because, because I'm not a DJ and I wasn't just going to play, curate other songs. Um, but I knew, okay, Suri, you're nervous. You need to do it. Um, same feeling I got whenever I was approached by Coca. Okay, Suri, you're nervous. You never taught pe people before, let alone educators, you're going to do this. So, because um, I feel like it's going to get me to the place where I really want to be, which is kind of scoring, you know, small short films or... Oh, that um, was already in your mind is something you want to do? Oh, yeah. It's video games. Man, if I can get into the video game, yeah, that'd be so much fun. I'm like, yo, let me play your game first. <laughs> you know, and I want to do the sound design of like, I want I want the lasers. Whenever you shoot the lasers, I want it to be in the key of the song. You know what I'm saying? Like little things like that. Like, that'd be so great. And then, you know, back to, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm 36 years old. I write music for video games. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Just like, but I can do that. People do that. And I'm sure they're much older or younger or whatever. You know, just breaking down the norms of like, what is professionalism and what isn't? You know, what is a professional or um, a respected career and what is not, you know. And you're, you're, you'll be performing first Friday every month this, for the rest of the year, right? Yeah, for the entire year. By November, is it just going to be like disco night or? <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's going to be three months out of the whole year that I will not be doing first Fridays because they'll be uh, changing out their uh, exhibition and installing the next so exhibition. So a little, little room to breathe. So I'll have nine months and I'll also be doing three workshops, three educational workshops with their learning engagement team. Um, so I was also excited about that because I've, you know... Um, conceptualizing what could that look like and who are my students and what's the age range and blah, 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 you know. Um, but I wanted to get past this first Friday first before I'm like, okay, guys, learning people, what's up? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> okay, let's get this done. That's Saria Conaway. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, and this has been Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast produced with help from our executive editor, Shula Newman. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or, say it along with me, everybody, wherever you get your podcasts. Cut and Paste is sponsored by Gemma, architects, planners, and designers.